This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by Patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse. Comic Book Click is on Patreon, guys. For as little as $0.10 cents a day or $3 a month, not only can you help keep the lights on here at Comic Book Click headquarters, but your donation gives you access to exclusive content like CBC commentaries, polls where you can choose what content we cover next, and special behind-the-scenes footage of things here at Comic Book Click. Visit Patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse today and become a Patreon. And remember, you, yes you, are worthy. Hello everybody out there in comic book land, my name is George Serrano aka The Don and if you're listening to this, you can only be here for one reason, and it's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast brought to you by ComicBookClick.com and as always, I am never alone. Sir, if you could please introduce yourself. I am a paid member of Vaught International, Dan the Comic Book Man. Dan, the comic book man, is here. One of the boys here with us, and for very good reason. But he's not even alone. Other sir, can you please introduce yourself? What's up, everyone? It's the Majestic Jagan. How are you all doing? The Majestic Jagan is here. And we have Dan, the comic book man. We have, I have my boys with me, and for a very good reason, because we are here to talk about the boys. Something that the internet has been talking about ever since the series dropped a couple of years ago and ever since the finale dropped about a week ago uh people have been on all sides of the fence about whether or not this has been a return to form for this show or whether or not it has steeped down in quality and i guess that depends on what part of the political spectrum you're on as it seems nowadays but we are gonna get down to the nitty-gritty all spoilerific about this show so if you haven't seen it uh, I suggest seeing it and then coming back over here for this discussion with the boys about the boys. But before we get into the nitty gritty details, Jagan, I'm going to ask you first, what did you think of the boys season three? Immaculate. It was, I mean, I've said this, I've said this to both of you on a similar occasion. I feel like the boys is probably the best live action superhero series we've seen bar none. You know what I mean? I feel bad for Miss Marvel uh, having to contend with that. Um, You know, it's just such a good show. Um, You know, a lot of people were uh, complaining about how the wait to season three and for how they were able to implement everything from all the storylines that they had set up. I think it came back into a really messed up perfect circle. Not only the boys (laughs) could deliver, you know what I mean? No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. And yet there was some time in between. I sometimes I think we forget as a country that we were going through a bit of a pandemic <laughs> where like Yeah. <laughs> I I honestly like we were talking about Thor Love and Thunder and there's moments where some of those actors don't feel like they're in the same room. And it makes a lot of sense because that was one of the films that was being produced during COVID and when you have that bit of information, it kind of makes everything else make a bit more sense. Um with this show as well one of the things that people were saying was that it feels as if at the end of this season we're in the exact same spot that we were at the end of last season which (laughs) 
was kind of reminiscent of where we were at the end of the first season. Again, this is not a this is not something that I believe, but I'm trying to make sure that all sides get represented. Dan, how did you feel about the boys season three? Do you agree that it may have uh, missed its mark or do you think it's the boys as usual? Oh, man, it's the boys as usual. It's not even the boys as usual anymore. This is a whole new level of social and political commentary. It's a whole new level of superhero deconstruction. It's all we had. We have had father issues throughout this show, but nothing like what we've gotten in this season specifically. Like the truly these writers need to go to therapy. The writers just need to go to therapy at this point and just talk about their problems because this season just it's like it hit the ground, but it didn't even run. It hit the ground, started doing a tumble, and turned into a sonic run. And now it's just this snowball of chaos for for a month and a half, two months, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we got the we got the benefit of being able to um, get the first three episodes. Or was it two? I think it might have been two. Um, you know right up the rip. I remember when the boys came out, I even want to say probably even, no, no, no. The first season they dropped the whole thing in one go. I remember that. And I remember possibly finishing it in a couple of days and uh, Amazon got smart to that and they started to do this weekly release thing. I don't know if you've seen, but Netflix is currently dealing with a situation like this, where as soon as Stranger Things was over, they lost about 2 million subscribers <laughs> like, as soon as lost. it was over. And they just lost uh, 1 million subscribers in the last quarter alone. Right. Uh, so, damn. Yeah. Yeah. It's rough <laughs> stuff. Um, so... You got to keep people on. You got to keep people on the hook. And they, this felt like it finished a bit quicker than I was ready for it to finish. But I think it's still the boys as usual. I think it's still uh, lampooning a lot of the stuff that we're seeing day to day. A lot of the rip from the headlines kind of stuff. Um, they're actually going back and giving meaning to some of the stuff that they're lampooning. Because the comic had no problem parodying superheroes the superhero genre the comic book genre all that but i don't think it ever really said anything it was almost gratuitous for gratuitous sake um gory for gory sake all those kinds of things and so um i i love that i feel like with amazon's the boys they have elevated the source material to a point where we can talk like grown-ups about this stuff we can giggle about the penises and the blood and, and all that other stuff that they wanted us from the comic to laugh about and find entertaining but we can also come back around and talk about the very serious implications of what goes on in shows like this honestly i mean one way to look at it and you know i think it's the best way to put this is it's kind of like when you're looking at the watchman comic book series and the watchman live action movie like live action movie really couldn't do much compared to the comic book series because of how well Alan Moore was able to build that world. And I mean, ironically enough, Amazon had also released, you know, the Watchmen live action series, which did pretty well on its own, but it's kind of like their um, inverse for the boys. And I think they did a really good job, especially when we had Stormfront from season two, they did a great job in kind of giving the representation of the Ubermensch that Alan yes. Moore constantly talks about. You know what I mean? Um, he even stated, he's like, you know, superheroes are problematic. Like, they're kind of, they're, they're, how do I put this? They're kind of like the hopes and dreams that white supremacists aspire to. 
And, you know, right. we've kind of been seeing the, that political dialogue being set up all the way in season one and finally take root in season two and then branch out completely in season three. It's it's a very, very more like approach. This is why I love that series so much. You know what I mean? It, it It's funny that you say that and we can take a bit of time to talk about that as well, because I do think that I, I actually was just bringing this up yesterday. Gail Simone had asked, you know, what writers did you feel like you could follow when you first started getting into comics and i mentioned alan moore but one of the things i love about alan moore one of the things that fascinates me about him as a writer is he seemingly both had the most ambitious love for comics and then the most uh, intense hatred after the fact and it was talking about what you're talking about where he's like if a super man were to really exist um you know, you would hate it because he would be he would rule us he would be the ultimate man and he can we would be ants um it also speaks to this whole um idea and this is something that they played with in bvs of like if somebody's all powerful can they be all good and if we're seeing that we're homelander like it doesn't really matter if he can be all good the second he chooses to be bad for a second, we're all going to pay. The second that he that he slips up, he can't stumble. He can't fall. Or it, it's Scorched earth policy, son. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, so I think that that's interesting. And, and something else is something that I, I never really got Lex Luthor's bag like in DC until I did some heavy reading. And I feel like one of the things that he was able you know in more, more recent comics to get across is this idea that like if we just keep relying on men like superman we will never progress as a culture as a people and i never thought about that i was like oh like he's like that's our nanny you know and we'll never learn how to you know fix our wounds or you know do anything if we have this super all-powerful kind of character and you can kind of see that these soups People are fine with them murdering and lying and being caught up in scandals so long as we don't have to clean up all of our messes. And the weird part is they even bring this up in House of X and Powers of X from the X-Men series that recently had come out. I mean, me and Dan talked about it. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, you won't need mutants if people are making technological advances and getting superpowers from their own self-exploration. You know, it's... It's crazy, like, oh, yeah, well, you know, do you really need the Phoenix Force if Stark knows how to power his own elements and create, like, a pseudo-Phoenix Force? It's it's bizarre, but it's very, very, uh, it's a very witty way of going about having this type of dialogue. Yeah, and in the boys' comic, um, very early on, one of the things that you realize is that our boys end up trying to levy the playing field, level the playing field by taking some temporary v some compound v that allows them to get powers but temporarily um this is the first season to introduce the concept of this temp v dan what did you think about this plot point because it's a I, the biggest plot point in the season this idea that now the unsuperpowered or the unpowered can step in the feet of a soup and do good bad <laughs> indifferent but with these magnificent powers what did you think about that as a plot point oh it, it was perfect because really you, you could look at it as like self-medication versus medicinal medication like especially that one scene 
where Huey was talking about the fact that Soldier Boy was just drinking whiskey and smoking pot all day. And then the uh, butcher's like, yeah, you know, what kind of sick person self-medicates while handing him a compound V syringe? It's like, well, damn, that's it's kind of like heroin versus Zoloft argument, you know, like what's more dangerous for you? The drugs you get in the street or the drugs that big pharma pumps down your throat to keep you docile. But yeah. as far as the biggest plot point, I'm I'm trying to, to I was trying to rack my brains of what really was like the plot. There wasn't really like a MacGuffin in a sense. I wouldn't consider the compound V a MacGuffin. And halfway into Soldier, halfway into the season, we already have Soldier Boy. You know what he's out to do. So it's like there was so many plots running together that the the compound V it really, I don't know, for some reason it just didn't feel as important as everything else. Like I cared more about what Victoria Newman was doing. Like we, we don't even get the answer. I don't think her. the show cared about what Victoria Newman was doing though. <laughs> Not at all. Like we give her, we give the daughter compound V, temp V. Temp V. And then so so what? So well, no, I think she gave her the. I don't think she gave her the temp. I think no, she, no, gave, she gave her the, the actual V, the original the actual recipe. V. Yeah, uh, V, original oh, yes, recipe. The, the Homelander made the joke. Uh, you know, all twenty-seven original herbs and spices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so. I think the 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 V, the temp V in this, um, just goes to illustrate that old adage that like hurt people hurt people, and the bullied bully when given a chance and opportunity uh people who have been ostracized they often say if they were put in that position they would make things more inclusive but then once they're in that position they just ostracize other people as well and so we saw butcher you know as somebody who kind of has always dug his heels in with this idea that soups should not be able to go unchecked they shouldn't have this magnificent power and just go and do whatever they want but when he's on it, he doesn't really seem to like to get checked. Yeah, I mean, just to follow up on what Dan said about the MacGuffin, I think they set up like two to three plot points that really like irritated us. But it's kind of like, you know, I think it's building up either into the next season or towards the end game of the series. So, you know, Temp V is one thing, but there's also the weird proxy that Soldier Boy can literally take your powers away. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I feel I think that was a major point of contention. And with, you know, Newman, like, let's just be completely honest. Like the series framed her as Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. You know what I mean? Right. Know, that, which, <laughs> wait, what did you say, Dan? Without a shadow of a doubt, that was yeah. AOC. That was literally AOC. Yeah. Um, so like I, I wanna call it a MacGuffin per se that they're trying to set up, but they're definitely setting up. It's kind of like when you're getting the Dragon Balls together. You know what I mean? Like, they can't really do much by themselves. But when you finally gather them all up, you'll see what happens at the very end of it. You know what I mean? The end result. I think that kind of answers it. I think that's what uh, one way to frame it. Would you agree, Dan? 100%. 100%. I think that um, it, it, there was a lot of we were talking about herbs and spices there was a lot of ingredients in this gumbo before we knew exactly what they were going to serve to us and what's funny is i don't think i think this is this season's going to go very well with the next season like we, we will have seen the fruits of the labor that this season has uh wrought um 
but we we haven't seen it yet. We're seeing things sprout here and there, like Newman possibly becoming the vice president of the entire fucking country, like that. What that's gonna mean, and all this other kind of stuff. But I wanted to get back on to the Billy Butcher of its of itself, um, because I think that while there might not be one laser focused <laughs> pun intended plot point in this that you could follow from the beginning to the end one of the biggest things in this is this white whale of homelander for billy butcher this obsessive um sort of struggle that billy has this was something that he's had since he thought becca died now becca's really dead uh you know and ryan's in the mix it's just confusing almost everything that they have to deal with um but there's no end to this but that mutual assured destruction right like that's that this this is what all this has to lead to Uh, i can see a world in which the show ends in the next season but i can't see a show where both billy and homelander get out of this alive just with the collision course that they seemingly have been setting up since day one i mean just like take the reins just for a second Yep. Like we have such ha- we have had such an immersive deep dive into Billy Butcher's life, as well as the helplessness that he feels. You know what I mean? In season two, we saw the issues that he was dealing with with his own father, and then you can kind of see in how uh, Lenny's suicide, you know, uh, kind of like made the complete circle of the helplessness that Billy Butcher feels in regards to superheroes. You know what I mean? And I think it goes back to what you had said about. You know, uh, it's either um, it's either you're a bully or you're not, you know, um, and that's kind of like, I, I guess it's a nice way for him to project his daddy issues uh, on yes. to. Yeah, and yeah. it's weird to say that because, you know, um, we wouldn't necessarily consider Billy Butcher that type, but, you know, it's it's uh, it's there. One of the things I found, I mean, you're, you're speaking to it, but one of the things I found in this season is it, this season might be just about daddy issue there's a lot of daddy issues uh, on the table with this you know because you, like i said we, we we're talking about billy and his father was seemingly a jerk and there's this feeling i feel like both in the show and also in real life that people feel like people who don't give a damn to that degree are a bit more free because they don't have to be, you know, they don't have the hangups of having to be nice or please people or be be patient or, you know, any of those kind of things. And I think there's a part of that that Billy's now enjoying, you know, never more than this season is he throwing his own members under the bus. Is he, you know, lying to his his friends, the people that have fought alongside him, life or death kind of stuff. Um, And he seems just fine kind of walking the same path that his father walked where you know all these people are disposable it doesn't really matter and, and that, homelander <laughs> yeah and homelander as well you know homelander is dealing with it mm is dealing with stuff from his father and his grandfather um it, it's it's all coming full circle and i guess maybe last season was about mothers <laughs> you I mean, know one way to look at it i mean it's not just that but if you look at season one and season two in the build-up of how like uh compound v got out it was kind of because of Homelander's recklessness to keep himself relevant, yes. you know, as a superhero, which included, well, well, you know, he was originally used as like a, a catalyst for military intelligence, for getting superheroes into military contracts. Like, oh, look, now Al Qaeda has um, supervillains. What are we going to do? Like, 
the seven in because that's how they were, they were framing it. They were no, you, I, I feel you on that, but even like Stan Edgar felt uncomfortable about that. You know what I mean? And there were a lot of but there were like Stillwell thing. That was one hundred percent a Madeline Stillwell thing. Yeah, because she was, but she was on um, blackmailing politicians into giving into like taking less money for superheroes that they know is going to be crap. I mean, come on, what was the name of that? What was the name of that uh, African superhero from season one, episode one? Oh, from the he was going to be in Detroit or something like that. He was. I the, think it was Baltimore to... area. He was going to be yeah. in like the Baltimore area, like. Prince well, that's a funny. Up. That's one of the funniest things about this show in general is is the. Um, how superhero and heroism has become a part of capitalism and how you Yo, know that's lobbying to its finest bro a hundred percent and yeah what was it that there's i there's no ethical consumption under capitalism or something like that yeah. it, you know that's almost a similar thing here is like if you're a superhero but you're on that you know you're you're owned by a corporation how much good can you do how much good will they allow you to do you know um and yeah, like to live in a world where these guys are getting sponsorships and television shows. I mean, well, it's, it's your super, it's um your uh, sports stars, it's your athletes, hundred yeah, percent, and your celebrities, NASCAR races that literally say Exxon Mobil, Shell, and Burger King on their doors. Yeah, what's in your wallet? You know, they're doing they're doing it, they're doing all of it. Um, but like those people, I'm not scared of killing me. I guess it's like, I guess what is hey, 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 don't push it. Don't, don't, don't push it. Hey, Ron, you, try, you know what I mean? Ron, 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 Ron I don't Artest think you want, Le- I don't think you want, <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't think you want Ron Artest for not you calling himself um, Metal World Peace. Uh, yeah, I'm good, yeah. Ron. <laughs> no. Um, I, one of the things I found, we're going to jump all the way around with this. And if there's something you guys want to stick on in particular, just keep, you know, keep putting the thread. But, um, one of the things is like tragic and, and and sad is that Huey, the character we know of as Huey, um, Jack Quaid, he decides that he's tired of doing things Billy Butcher's way because he always ends up covered in blood. He always ends up covered in gore. He always ends up stressed out. So he's going to do things the right way. He ends up working for Victoria Newman at the Federal Bureau of Superhero Affairs. You know, they got to regulate soup activity and stuff. Um, but ultimately he finds out what we've all known she's the head popper she has ties to stan edgar she is doing machinations behind people's backs all of this kind of stuff um and ultimately when he finds out that she's the head popper again he's covered in blood (laughs) he's he's there again (laughs) he's covered in blood and he and you he gives you that look of like this was supposed to not be this wasn't supposed to be this way and he ends up walking right back to butcher he ends up walking right back to the boys and saying i guess we're gonna do things your way um i guess the question that i um have is what do you think about this idea of you have to become a monster to defeat monsters is that something that you believe or is that a cop out for those who feel like they have to cop go? One hundred percent. Are you going cop out then? Uh, oh, the reason why I'm going because look at the what we what we have known about uh, Huey for the last three seasons. He is a product of generational trauma from his from his mother walking out at a young age to his father essentially, um, you know, cowtowing his own feelings and hey, let's just watch Magnum P.I. and eat pizza rolls and not talk about any of our issues. That turned Huey into what he perceived as what we know to be the man of steelism as weak. 
he looked he looks at someone's like superman's restraint and he looks at that as weakness so to be a mon- to become the monster to beat the monster is is a total cop out because not once has batman ever become joker to, to i hold your don't even start with that black label bullshit i don't want to hear about the man who laughs <laughs> The, no, 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 no. But what you're going to hear is people have said if he would have, there wouldn't be that big of a death toll for Joker. But then that's the that's but the, then the hero of Batman, what the mantle stands for more than what the man wants would cease to exist. You know, look at. Look, all right. Look at the way Man of Steel ended compared to what Superman did for two seasons with his brother. Yeah, we're right then in there, right then in there. That's the difference of become the monster to be the monster and overcome the monster and i can't remember what i was watching but um oh stranger things there's a quote in stranger things that that that's basically says you know don't don't be overcome by evil overcome evil okay devil's what advocate says what go ahead what does the devil's advocate say about the uh, having to become a monster to be a monster jagan uh all right. Uh, <laughs> see, no, one's gonna, no one's going to judge you. As I said, this is all. Yourself. <laughs> so m- m- the name of my game is you got to play fire with hellfire. You know what I mean? Um, okay. Which <laughs> which um, is going to make me look like a total dick now. But um, like, uh, how do I say it? Like, yeah, you're right. I mean, on ethical, philosophical point, you know, um, I-, I suppose that is right. But ethics and philosophy hasn't stopped the perpetration of uh, extremely messed up systems of power. You know what I mean? And that's not yes. to like dispute anything in particular, but, um, and I don't necessarily, and, and, you know, comics are once again, like they're kind of like a release, a suspension of reality. So I wouldn't want to like bring this into that point of view or mentality, but yeah. when you keep trying to do things and doing things and there's a point of stagnation, and the systematic powers that be still persist. Um, yo, you're gonna you're gonna get desperate. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, look at Star Wars. Yo, Empire keeps coming back, son. Uh, it's wild. It's like, wow. How do you, how do these oppressors constantly stay in power? And then you're looking around. And you're like, oh wait, I'm in America. Like, yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? It so and and the thing with the boys is that the Titan like. And, and this is why I love that series so much. The amount of, um, you know, how do I say this? The amount of loopholes and political ties that consistently happen within that series kind of, like, speaks on too much of a real level where, like, yeah, like, I feel, you know, Batman's a homie, but all you got to do is snap Joker's neck and you're preventing, like, and, and I don't want to bring the White Knight into this, but, yo, can you imagine how much, like, infrastructural damage happens Money. Gotham some. Um, right, right. Of course, like, yo, the Wayne Foundation is definitely getting tax liens and tax breaks for all of the work that they're doing to restore parts of Gotham, you know? Um, and it's also a reason why, like, Batman consistently has an, a really good rogues gallery. It's because people are constantly put into a situation that, like, they had no control over and then they're forced into a life of crime. Which comes back to the what if Batman found caught you trying to sell a dub? You know what I mean? Like, yo, he's yeah. probably gonna like he's probably gonna yeah, crack your There's skull. also been multiple instances of Batman working with homeless outreach programs and drug outreach programs, youth outreach programs. It's not like you know Batman's gonna break your arm for buying a dime bag. And people, I mean, it, people like to. It's it's just a false equivalency that always bothered me about. There's many things about Batman. It? 
talk about that's the thing. Bad. I mean, here's the thing, though. But I mean, one of the issues with Batman is that there are just so many continuities to go off of, and that there are so many years of him operating Gotham that, like, there's kind of a disconnect, and it, um, and there's a blending of not having an understanding of what works and what really doesn't work. I mean, in the current state of Batman affairs, for example, in the comic books where we're trying to keep it relevant to what's happening in 2020, 2021, where even like the GCPD is still on this bullshit. You know what I mean? Uh, right. Where they had that one comic book where like, you know, a police officer was about to shoot an unarmed black man. Uh, like, yeah, Batman stepped up and everything. And those were things that were out of his power, but also begs and raises the question of, um, of, just evil in itself and i think it comes back to like the nietzsche approach of like um are you willing to go are you willing to do evil things to get rid of evil you know what i mean it's right. like it's that quote um yeah uh i'm trying to remember it's like um being a hero uh long enough until you see yourself become the villain you know what i mean right. mm-hmm. and one basic like and i feel like in contrast to batman when we take something like the punisher okay yo um the reason and and it's kind of weird when you look at it a systematic way because each time the punisher kills off a crime family there's a new crime family that supplants its place you know what i mean it's kind of like the devil's rabbit hole uh you keep going in and in and in and in and you can't find yourself out you know what i mean and that line about the abyss right if you yeah. stare long enough into the abyss, it stares right back at you. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's the issue that comes with it. Uh, I also just think that, and, and this is why I really appreciate about the boys this season, because I feel like there was a really, really big, like for the last two seasons, we've seen particularly what, from the side of the boys, at least, what Starlight went through, what Huey went through, and what, um, and what Butcher went through. And including parts of Homelander's life. But when we looked at the season of what MM went through and what Huey went through, it was the first introspective look at the traumas that made them the people that they are, that influenced the ways that they have gotten into this um, anti-soups life. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. I wouldn't, it like, it, it's a clusterfuck to untangle. That's the only way I could really see it. You know, no, I mean? and, and I think I think based on your on people's own um, judgments, they they fall somewhere on that spectrum of wanting to be that monster to stop the monsters or, you know, comp- there's somebody I at various points, people on all sides made sense. <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, you kind of got a point there. And, well, no, well, yeah, he's kind of he's kind of got a point there. So I I fully agree that it's not an open and shut thing and i think that's why i think when the comic was made it was a very black and white parody but they found ways to find shades of gray in this by humanizing some of the monsters um in this story to get us to a point where we're wondering whether or not you know whether or not they're monsters at all i mean i think homelander is a monster he was very much uh, embraced by a part of the fandom. <laughs> All right. I got to, we, we talked about this last week. I got to cut it now. All right. Let's Dude, do it. Do you know how irritated I am with how much emotional depth they gave Homelander this season? I they was so, yo, man, the moment he starts sympathizing with Ryan, I'm like, oh, nah, I don't, I don't want to feel <laughs> this way. Like, this guy's been a dick for two seasons straight. And now you want me to, you want to give me a point of contention? Please don't do this to me. and and then like ryan's like dad i want to leave let's go and i'm like you little shit (laughs) like we we will 
Yeah. We will. <laughs> and then that dialogue that he has with Noir and then with um <laughs> with Ashley, the deep and A Train. You know what I mean? It gives that connected with what we've seen from like glimpses of season one and two really, really shows you that like, uh, like the Homelander and Butcher are very, very far away from each other, but they're not far in between. You know what I mean? Like the issues are right there. Um, We thought of Vogelbaum as like a potential father figure and everything. And it's just like, yo, like, Dude, I was <laughs> I was training my superpowers next to a nuclear reactor. Like, it's yeah. not any way for a kid to live. <laughs> and I still think there's a bit of that upbringing and training that's a bit still in the shadows, like the bad room and all that kind of stuff that he was talking about with himself. And then I'm going to ask you uh, how you feel about this in a minute. But one of the things I wanted to state was um, it has to be this is the this is the only thing I'm going to say sympathetic about Homelander. <laughs> It has to be um, hard when, as soon as you come into the room, you can tell who's scared of you by their heartbeat, by the sweat that you could smell off of them, right? Like, you you go everywhere and everyone's constantly afraid, (laughs) you know, you go, unless you have your followers, Right. But like the disdain, Vogelbaum told him like he was a bad, almost the same thing that Edgar told him, like, you're a bad product. Like you're just, you know, you're whatever. Um, Stillwell told him off and in the finale episode, Um, the stuff he's been dealing with Edgar. We were talking about this off air, but the whole idea that he thought the seven was going to be his family as someone who's never had one. He was sold this idea of a family, gets this family, and little by little, from the second we watch this show, little by little, one by one, they all start kind of spiraling out of control. And he um, is constantly portrayed with this almost like a um, white noise going on in his head, <laughs> like this this humming. Literally. Like, you know, where he just has oh this a thousand God. yard stare because everything is so everything overwhelms him so much because he is so tapped into everything at all times. Um, he's dealing with the whole like love and fear and whether he wants to be, you know, loved, whether he wants to be feared, whether he has a choice in the matter, because like I said, again, um, you know, it seems like he was stuck in this since birth and very similar to butcher. Like you do that math for either one of them, given their, their nurture not their nature you're going to get these results because how do you get any other people but these two given their backgrounds but um dan did you find homelander any bit more sympathetic this season than you did last of course of course i did i mean personally i've always loved homelander i mean like i'm I'm not one of these weird you know neckbeard 4chan people i can like look at a character that i know is evil that is very much bad and I could still love them because the acting, the writing, the way the director has them portray their emotions, fa- you know, facial expressions. Anthony Starr's just facial expressions. The way he can say more without saying anything is just elite. Yeah. Like I think one of my favorite, favorite moments of Homelander from the entire series was when it was in the season finale of two, where he's talking about no, 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 it was the premiere. It was the premiere of season three, and he's talking about the whole Stormfront aftermath. And he has, like, this smile on, and he's nodding his head, and he's speaking the parroted words of, you know, reading off cue cards. But oh, his the apology tour? <laughs> yeah, his little apology tour, but the eyes. He's, and you could just see 
his eyes are just crazy. Now, I we knew since like season season one, I want to say maybe episode six or seven, we knew Homelander was a test tube baby. Yeah, you know, they started doing all these little pieces between him talking about it to um, Madeline when they were doing the little oh welcome to home Homelander's home. I remember this baseball. An entire I mean, fake home, an entire fake story entire of a home, home, a blanket. This is the blanket. No, it wasn't. What are you talking about? Like, none of this shit is real. Yeah, so the, they've been doing bits and pieces of this man wants a family. All he ever wanted was a family. And when they finally just go for broke with it, and they have him say it out aloud to not only the audience, but, you know, to Ashley and, and the Deep and, and stuff, like, damn. You know, maybe if we just gave this man a family, he wouldn't have turned out the way he turned out. And one of the funniest parts is the fact that um, Soldier Boy even said, you know, if if uh, Vaught would have just told me about you, I would literally would have stepped to the side. There was no I reason think he was lying. Though. I, don't, I don't trust Soldier Boy too much. I think yeah, his Soldier Boy. After that no, entire, because, after that no, entire, like, after like the entire, um, that that Ben Gate incident, as I would call it, I don't really. He looks at Homelander, who Homelander is now, and sees him as a disappointment. But imagine if Soldier Boy had a say in raising a second version of him, which is basically going to be the sins of the father reboot for Homelander and Ryan. Well, that's exactly oh. what it is. I, in in many ways, Soldier Boy stepped into the into the shoes of his own father. By berating Homelander, you know, he felt like his father thought he was weak. And then the first chance he gets with his son, the first, you know, pep talk that he gets, you know, I just in a cup, all that stuff. He uh, <laughs> he, he comes through and he, he says it, you know, it uh, basically calls his own son weak. So, yeah, you wonder, you wonder if anyone could become anything other than what they are given the sum of their environment and they play a lot around with that nurture versus nature versus nurture stuff uh in this so i think that that's pretty interesting um i wanted to talk a bit about the what i perceive to be at the tantrum the season-wide tantrum that um homelander <laughs> basically has from the second that because when we left season two which i think is very important they seemingly had him by his uh stars and stripes you know they seemingly had my man kowtowed because they had footage of him with the plane yeah they had footage of him on the with the plane you know the women were all against him and he looked like he was cornered and it looked like there was nothing that he could do and all of a sudden you know once he once he loses stormfront for good and come on man that that's some good bedside <laughs> service Literally. That my man. That my man. Oh, that's man. the kind of bedside service Jane should have gave Thor, man. I'm telling you. Oh my god, that's a whole other story. But I'm oh, just boy. there, like from Breaker. No one suffers like you suffer. There was a lot going on there. <laughs> there was a lot, going- and he's just like he's not even like looking at her. Like he's looking away. He's like just get it done. No, but the the cherry on top of that scene was where she's literally trying to talk this man into becoming a Nazi, and he just goes straight flaccid, like, oh, come on, what are you talking about, this master race? I am the master race. Yeah, which kind of, you know, I think that's what that's what some apologists are trying which to like, whole use that as. Um, but I think some apologists are trying to use that as, like, fuel that he isn't racist, even though he's, he's like, not. I don't need it. 
We don't need Captain Al Qaeda on this team. I think that's pretty fucking racist. Yeah, but when he, yeah, but he, yeah, but yeah, as meat packs. That's the whole thing. Is to him, all of humanity is just disgusting, and him being racist or making racist and prejudiced comments comments is basically him testing you, nudging you like, "Come on, I know you want to hit me." Here, I'm going to serve you burrito bowls and taco bowls on your first day. Super you know who else had taco bowls? <laughs> you know who else yeah, was, was pictured uh... famously <laughs> eating a taco bowl? So it's just one of those things. I I think I agree with you. I do think that you can't gaslight a Latino like George, bro. Come on. <laughs> I'm, only, I'm only saying because he was getting a little bit iffy with supersonic. <laughs> He's like trying to throw an accent on. He's like, oh, oh man. It's going to be a so... real fiesta. But <laughs> like. I think Sorry, the brother. thing that made Supersonic, like, the thing that bothered him about Supersonic is really that Supersonic worked for everything that he had. I think yeah, Dan had yeah. said this last time. Supersonic worked for everything that he had. And, you know, like, <laughs> like, and, and Homelander's just like, yeah, I'm the definition of what Alan Moore has been warning you about in comics yeah. for, like, last several years. I'll just get rid of your ass. Um, I, I, you know, we have that moment, we have him that moment where he finds out that Stormfront died on his birthday, but he didn't just, she didn't just die on your birthday, bro. She committed suicide on your birthday. <laughs> she wanted to make sure her ass was nowhere to be found. Um, and this begins the big downward spiral where he's like, you know what? He flips out on the speech, right? He gives that speech. He's like, you know what? No, I am better. I'm just better. And I'm not going to apologize for it anymore. And I'm not going to just listen to what these people are telling me. And we see like MM's wife's new husband is all in. He's like leaning forward. He's like, yeah, this guy's speaking my language. This this guy's spitting, as they say in the in the meme verse. And um, everything, like everything goes out of control. He creates an entire fake relationship with starlight called home light where their dating name is home light together he brings um he kills fucking annie's childhood friend and then brings in her abuser to stand next to her on the seven with the deep and we will definitely talk about the deep in a bit i don't think i want to (laughs) deep dive on the deep um but my favorite moment in this early downward spiral, because I didn't I didn't think about it. And as he starts to say, I start going, oh, he's like 100 percent right, is when Annie's like, and if you keep it up, I'm going to show the footage of the thing. He's like, all right, go ahead, show it, show it, because if I'm not going to be loved, I'm going to be feared. And if you show, if you put that out there, I'll just destroy the world. I'll start on the East Coast, you know, and he just starts nailing like I'll start with the governments and the emergency systems and all that other kind of stuff. And I'm like. Holy shit, we really don't have him cornered. We really don't have him, you know, threatened, seemingly threatened. He, he He's now fully unhinged. But what did you think about that? Once a season, at least once a season, he has stated that he's the homelander. He really can do just whatever he wants. Yeah, whatever the fuck he wants. That's what he says. I mean, um, go ahead. Yeah, and, and then there's a side one scene that's just like i could shoot anyone on fifth avenue and i'll get away with it and then i'll just and, and i won't and lose any followers point, yeah and i'm like <laughs> and then i'm like yo that's it the, the show one the show one that last scene topped it like topped it on me and i can't believe that there's a villain bigger than homeland in the series out there and that's like <laughs> and that's like <laughs> the stepfather of Emma's daughter 
Oh yeah, yeah, he's he's a piece of trash. Also, I almost certain that Vault Tower is on Fifth Avenue. I gotta double check. <laughs> but I'm almost certain. Which just brings it all back around, you know, to exactly right there. Um, but yeah, like this whole weird co-captain thing where Starlight originally got promoted by Stanley Edgar, but then Newman throws Stanley Edgar under the bus and seemingly teams up with Homelander, I'm guessing, for the V for her daughter. Um, you know, we get put in this position where Homelander is unchecked. What are we going to do about him? How are we going to stop him? And the only people that we know are actively working on that are our boys, our Billy Butcher and our boys. And we find out from Grace Mallory that the soup that um, there's a weapon, seemingly a weapon that they used to stop Soldier Boy, who people believe was as strong as Homelander. So we could find that weapon. We could just kill this homeboy. You understand? That leads them on a wild goose chase. Um, to and it basically ends up being revealed that Soldier Boy is the weapon. He's been Winter Soldier Boy, <laughs> and he's been uh, you know, he's been kidnapped. He's been experimented on, and he is now a weapon that I believe it's been. It was implied that he takes powers momentarily or something, right? No, he he takes them away. Like they're gone. Oh they, yes, because Kimiko had to redose herself. Yeah. With v. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that's right. not momentary at all. Like, I, yeah. I, I wish that was momentary. You know, we were, it was on the fence there. I, I thought she was dead. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought, I thought Kimiko was down now, too, bro. That was probably one of the most stressful scenes uh, <laughs> in that series. And that says something. <laughs> right, right, right. That series is full of anxiety. <laughs> um, right, so we were in this situation where now we had no... Uh, solution for the homelander situation and now we might it's this weapon uh they end up finding soldier boy in russia um and like we said we have to kind of become monsters to defeat the monsters um so we end up in a position where billy's fine with teaming up with soldier boy to kill homelander the deal is we have to allow soldier boy to kill his team of payback because um they're the actual ones that got him captured by the russians they betrayed him and so now he wants to go out of his way to kill those members one by one um is that is that worth it and is it worth it now that we know what that he didn't kill homeland <laughs> is it it wasn't worth that teaming with a man like soldier boy for there were so thing. many i'm sorry finish what you're saying no no i was just making it longer <laughs> there were just so many good theories that happened and then it was just like, we're going to give you the most neutral, worst possible outcome. And then you're going to realize why season four got announced. Because season four literally got announced like a couple days, I think, before the seventh episode. And mm-hmm. my anxiety started shooting up. I'm like, yo, like, I thought this was Scorched Earth season. You know what I mean? Like, someone has to die. And then it's like, nope. No, we're not going to do that. Maeve, even maybe made it out alive. We'll kill, we'll kill Payback. We'll kill Payback. Uh, and we'll kill a man. We have to talk about it now. We saw a man go into another man's penis. I think now is the, now is the perfect right. time to just let the cat out of the bag or the termite out of the hole. I, too, have seen Dune. And Denis Villeneuve is a crazy man. Yeah, I mean, I that that angle there is going to be in my nightmares for quite some time. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they, they do the whole Thanos, Thanos. Uh, Venus, 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 yeah, stuff. Termite went into a wood, which you know that's the boys for you. 
<laughs> he went into a wood and, and and thus that happened so we we got to we got to see how much they uh, with their sense of humor in this which i thought was pretty damn interesting and then, and then the butcher just throws him like, a coke a coke bag, into a coke bag like, i yo. thought he died but he ends up showing back up in hero gasm yeah um doing some more of his depravity but i don't kink shame so we'll just leave that there uh <laughs> Let's talk a bit about Kimiko. We were talking about her losing her powers. Um, it, it was really heartbreaking to see her tell Ryan that she hates her powers. She'd rather her, her not have them, which, you know, some of that self-hatred being taught to Ryan. And then his father tells him he doesn't have to hate himself. Like, there's, there's a bit of that. Yeah, that, that, oh, <laughs> That's man. There. there's a bit of that going around where it's like, should I, should I feel guilty being born this way? No, you don't. You never feel guilty. Never for a second feel guilty for being more powerful, for being better than them. And it's like, oh, and so close. like I am better than them, aren't I? I was so, like, so Man. close, so freaking close. Um, but yeah, Kimiko, uh, I, she had some tender moments with music. We got to see her. You know, she seems like she wants to emote. Do you think we'll get a talking Kimiko next season? Jagan, not unless. I mean. Oh, sorry. Uh, you can answer. I think you, you're better off answering that because you're way more invested in Kimmy going Frenchie than I am. <laughs> uh, honestly, they have my whole heart. Frenchie, I will protect to the day I die. And Kim, Kimiko literally just lights up a room. And I don't want her to talk because she can do more by smiling than she could ever do by expressing how she feels. <laughs> That's kind of messed right. up to mute people. But... <laughs> <laughs> I get, I get, the, I get the idea. She, she's able to say more what you're saying. She can say more non-verbally than most people can with the mouths that they have. But and they, I think they, did they make up their own sign language. I think it was like implied yeah. that her, and her, yeah, brother her, her, like her and her brother. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, a lot of people were they may maybe misremembering and thinking like the V or something. It caused her to be mute. It was the death of her parents, the trauma from that. So one could argue possibly somebody who's more educated than me that this could be something that can be overcome or maybe i'm just talking out of my uh termite hole and thus um you know none of that stuff changes you're talking about your red hot serrano pepper oh Uh. no (laughs) i like kimiko and frenchie but i thought frenchie was gonna die this season i was almost freaking sure of it i'm still i'm still convinced that both of them are going to die uh if anyone's going to legitimately die by the end of the boys and i'm not trying to go off the comics because you know we already know what happens Same. everyone yeah, yeah uh and spoiler for the people who haven't read the comics yet and you probably won't want to either way this is how i feel about the boys comic only starlight can we make it out live um right. and i think the crazy thing is that that and and i don't think that butcher is going to be responsible for anyone's death in particular because we've seen him have somehow a moral compass when like he just knocked Huey out and prevented him from like uh, with that statement saying like, you're just like my brother Lenny and then knocks him out. So yeah. I don't necessarily think that. Um, he also fell face first on a gas station bathroom, which is yeah. not the prettiest place to, to no, want to wake up. And it was, it was really sad seeing because like for, for, I think for about two seasons now that has been brought up to butcher and he's denied it. Everybody that knows Butcher and knows who Butcher is has said, oh, he reminds me of a like a Lenny. Oh, wow. That's a little Lenny, isn't it, Butcher? Everybody that knows him kept saying he was like a little Lenny. And, and Butcher's just like, 
college. And I was like, wow, okay. Um, uh, I, I mean, here's the thing that I'm, I'm just going to go off on a tangent on. Like, Let's do it. We, we did have the lean, little Lena arc, you know what I mean? For like, what, two to three episodes. But like, she's still out there, you know what I mean? And I think that's yeah. the thing that we're going to have to focus on. Because in, in a really, really weird way, little Nina has her obsession with Huey. You know what I mean? So like, go to those lengths to and i mean you know she is like a mafioso at the end of the day so that's definitely her realm of how to like induce trauma onto people but i don't know um i I am trying to be hopeful in that you know the heroes might not be able to completely get across what they want to get done you know what i mean but i do think that they're gonna walk out of it just a bit more traumatized than they were uh you know at the beginning of each season at the very least you know what i mean yeah. so it, it it it's something worth looking at later on definitely what do you think about uh the kamiko frenchy arc in this season beautiful Dan? oh my fault no no i mean you as well yeah yeah <laughs> beautiful it was it was really nice um i mean it i'm still confused whether and i think dan will be able to clarify this more better because he's a cinephile here but uh, like there was an insinuated romance between Kimiko and Huey, and then she's like, "Nah, family," uh, which was like a page from Don Toretto's uh book right there. But it was a legitimately beautiful, um, like a beautiful way of looking at it. Even from the first scene of when like we see Kimiko like you know singing at the uh during the termite whole episode, and then um also being able to have that moment of dialogue between Hugh and Kimiko about her wanting her powers back despite not wanting them before and her making it her own decision at the end of the day and Huey being able to respect that and also like relapsing I think that was a very yeah. interesting you mean Frenchie right yes yeah, Huey Frenchie, with Frenchie, <laughs> Frenchie relapsing and everything even though like yeah. Huey was definitely hooked on that good good temp oh yeah he was having they were, <laughs> they were doing like the old <laughs> Pulp Fiction heroin shots when those guys were <laughs> Getting ready for the fucking compound B of it all. But Dan, those are your boys, uh, Frenchie and Kimiko. What do you think about them this season? Man, I don't know if they want them to be in love, if they don't want them to be in love, because it's like for all of season two, Frenchie was like in love with this girl, trying to do everything for her. And now she's the one showing the affection back and he's just acting all weird about it. And yeah, I think what really like settled it for me it was when yeah when she said that your family i'm not gonna lie i looked at it as like a friend zone thing i did initially in that moment when she's like you're like family but i keep forgetting you know when you're husband and wife you are family but just that true. connotation of someone calling you family to them it, it, it is almost platonic it's almost sibling like cousin like oh you know you're like an older brother like an older sister but she calls him monkey and i'm like oh Oh, you, you, you bastards! They better make it out of this. It, it, <laughs> listen, but I, once I they were it. on that one more job thing, I was like, "That's usually code for <laughs> we're not making out of this job alive." Yeah, and that's <laughs> when they're like, "We just got one more job." I'm like, Ugh. "Yeah," and they kept yeah. over who's gonna die because you think Kimiko is gonna die because literally before that scene, he's like, "Just one more job. We go to Russia. We we leave. We go to the Maldives," and then it's. Frenchie with little Nina and I'm like, oh damn, they're really doing this entire backstory just for him to die. Because that's that's usually how the writing goes. 
you know, especially like yeah. these stoic characters, these mysterious enigma characters. Anytime you get any sort of in-depth look at that character that you haven't got previously, they usually bite the bullet. Anytime you get one of those deep dives in animated form <laughs> as a background for a certain character, two episodes later they're gutted and left that's on the just, ground. That's just messed up because to die. Valley. Uh, because you can't talk about people getting, you know, a short strip of backstory without talking about Noir. Our boy talk. Noir, member of Payback. Yo. <laughs> Son. I didn't, member of Payback. Jensen Eccles had so much fun doing yeah, this did. series, bro. He got, not only did he get to, um not only did he get to play the live action version of Cell, but he also played the voice actor version of yeah. an eagle soldier boy. Um, yeah. It literally can't get any more America than that, and he's extremely racist. We know Black that, super like racist. super racist. Cosby makes the best drinks. <laughs> Shit, you know, just moving on up. Just, just like, stuff like that that he will just throw out there. Um, and like you said, you know, he plays the regular Soldier Boy live action. He plays the the voice actor Soldier Boy. But I also think he should get credit for playing like the in the 60s, 70s Soldier Boy that does like the talk shows and the and the, and the music. Oh, like yo, the Soul Train. Blondie by Rapture, dude. That was. <laughs> I didn't know that was. <laughs> a that was the music video it, for that YouTube video. It's definitely. Yo, it's like, it's like yo, it's like I. If you if you go to YouTube and look up the original music video for um uh Blondie Rap- by Rapture, Rapture? Yeah. and you see the comments like oh I remember when Soldier Boy you know contributed <laughs> hey, to the nice. of this country all these <laughs> men. and then you see people like oh, like like are these people Soldier from? Boy like crank that or like <laughs> yeah no yeah, that's I, so like, especially when they were making fun of the Kendall Jenner Pepsi commercial. Oh or uh, Gail Gadot singing Imagine with the Celebrities, a whole little video. When you look at the comment sections, it literally says A-Train's commercial was better or the boys did it better. This did it better. I, sometimes I wonder if Gal Gadot Godot, is ever going to um, like live that down. Like if no. that's ever going to – that's going to be the thing. Well, the Imagine video. Are you familiar? You never saw the Imagine video. The Imagine video. No, okay. So this is this, this is funny because I was gonna bring this up actually without you saying what you just said. Um, there are people that aren't aware of this video, nor were aware of the Kylie Jenner. Were you aware of the Kylie Jenner? I knew about uh, the Pepsi one. Okay, I, uh, yeah. yeah. I knew somebody who didn't know either one. So these things just look like like PR things that got done. But um, and this might jog your memory, but when we first got put in lockdown for COVID, uh, Gal and her friends decided to inspire us by singing Imagine in their mansions on their cell phones. <laughs> so you had all of America locked down. You know, we couldn't leave our houses. We couldn't get delivery. Remember those first couple of weeks when this all went down? Like I'm talking about March 2020. Um, once, once America shut down, a bunch of um celebrities decided to sing verse by verse like line by line imagine and half of the world was like whoa that was really cool and the other half of the world was like are you kidding me like this is all you got this is all you got for us like we have nothing we have no food we can't work we can't go outside we're scared for our lives and all you could do is sing this song so when they did it with the deep here i was i was over i was but the best the best part was is that they literally gave had the deep read what gail gadot said 
line for line in the beginning of like <laughs> like i think you got like you know it's just getting crazy out there or whatever and fucking... she, yeah she literally said wow well I've, I've been locked down for six days now and it's really helped me study philosophy like she literally Gil literally said i've been locked down it for wasn't six great days, and now i'm a philosopher and i just had, remember you... it being just not feeling very like anything it just felt like a very pr thing to do and it felt like a bunch of bored people in their mansions doing stuff and i'm not saying that you can't be a good-natured person and also have a mansion i'm just saying if you have a mansion we don't need you to be singing we need we need mansions give me a mansion is what i'm trying to say like i don't need yeah. so that whole neurogasm that. was real joke yeah that, that was, it was real that wasn't just the boys that was real. <laughs> We, I mean, think about it. Ripped from the headlines, we were just talking about that. We had OnlyFans with uh, <laughs> Crimson oh, Countess. Man. Oh my God, Countess out there, you and know, Seth Rogen, and Seth Rogen, oh, the worst looking Seth Rogen too. Minute, huh? She was charging twenty dollars a minute. She's 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 crazy. That's a superhero though. That's a former like nationwide superhero. Like geez. yeah, but if I'm not around in the '60s and '70s, I'm some thirty-year-old dude. I'm not paying twenty dollars an hour for someone that you know looks like my aunt. But why well, would you? Yeah, get, why would you seek her out? Like he he sought her out. Uh, I, think <laughs> it was, I think it was a website. I think it was like superhero orgy or like super sex or it was an actual oh, website. Superhero. I mean the one I thing. Bought. Yeah, I mean it comes down to what Soldier Boy, you know, the older they get, like it's kind of like fine wine, you know, fine <laughs> wine, <laughs> and it's drier. I was it's like, like fine nah. wine or a grilled cheese sandwich. Remember, that's all you got. That's all you. That's all you have to. That's all you got to think about, man. Just spreading that cheese apart. But anyway, um, <laughs> we need to stop today. What yeah, is you need to you chill the boy? Wait, I'm with. I'm with the boys, so we're hanging out with the boy. <laughs> um. But yeah, back on the noir of it all, every time we saw him, he had a very childlike demeanor. We didn't really get what was going on there. Um, it's, it's it's full knowledge now if anyone's done a bit of Google searching. In the comics, noir is a Homelander clone. Um, and we've seen since season two, I even think there's probably proof in season one, that this is a black man under the black noir outfit so the big twist of the boys with the homeland the clone stuff they removed and i think that they replaced it with the soldier boy parentage but we'll get there in a second um what i wanted to say is we're we're wondering why noir is played so childlike so quiet so stoic but also so childish on occasion and we were kind of brought up you know we were made privy to the uh information that he was beat to damn near to death with chunks of his brain coming out um, when he tried to step up to Soldier Boy, who said that he w- shouldn't be in police academy. Well, no, not police academy. Um, Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> he had a role ready for Beverly Hills Cop. Soldier Boy said he's not uh, funnier than <laughs> Eddie Murphy. And then they got into a fight and he damn near beat his brains out. Um, what do you guys think of how black noir compartmentalized this trauma in these animated forms and what do you think about just his his overall ending arc uh in this series i mean with a member of the seven i think we should talk about him a bit all right so i'm gonna just completely that name the convention still messes me up to this day his name is literally black noir like black black yeah black black i was like i don't know how i feel about that naming convention but then again it's the boys um and I'm be honest, man. Like, it, we we saw it when like Black Noir was doing like covert missions in other countries against like 
you know, um, super powered, like the Al Qaeda members. And then he like takes that little teddy bear and he's like playing around with the kid who he just, who just saw him like, you know, ax down a bunch of people. Yeah. And I think half his then, face is like burnt off in that moment yeah. too. He's like, don't worry. We have a little bit bunny. Yeah. Here. Like here's, here's a little, um, like plushy doll. Like you're fine. And right. then, and then like we, and, and then we see that, um, clip of what happens with race Mallory. And I think, I just think that's like how well written the series is like it, the, the secret weapon that they were literally talking about was payback. You know what I yeah. mean? It literally took a group of other soups, which kind of like, in a way, Maeve was right. There was a weapon out there that could yeah. stop, uh, that could stop a soup like Soldier Boy or like um, Homelander, and that's other soups, literally. You know what I mean? But and and we saw that with like Huey and with um, Butcher when uh, they teamed up with Soldier Boy in that fight. But just yeah. to bring it back to Noir, um, it's it's insane, man. Like you you felt the most like that scene where like Black Noir is basically gutting down trying to get butcher and i think yeah. it was season two to yeah like showing that he he was stuck in a childlike state because like one half of his brain was missing either yeah. on left or right side and like whatever his mind was able to come up with like i don't know it, it i just i didn't expect it to have that much of a sad emotional depth especially when they're like yeah like um leave it to the lord and savior christ now Jesus Christ! Jesus! He was crying in season two when they were. It ha, I think it was season two, was it? They when they find it? out that they that they're all they, they weren't given they don't weren't born with these powers they were given yeah. uh, compound V they were like test subjects as infants yeah mm-hmm. yeah so like there was that moment where where everyone's watching the the press conference release and Noir is like on the floor crying and and so. not just like you know like he's in a sad sitting down position. My man was bellowing. Like, you hear the sniffles. You saw the shoulders shaking. Like, he had all the telltale signs that he was crying. So, it's like, we, we didn't have as much emotional death, but at least they gave us something with this character. He wasn't just complete enigma that we know nothing of. And you'd for a, another nonverbal character, like, I would like to see him and Kamiko in a room just have a staring contest. But <laughs> for another nonverbal Where's character. staring? Yeah, right. For another nonverbal character, I feel that the, even in being unable to speak or choosing not to, he's hilarious. Because when they have that moment where um, Homeland is like, you know, buddy, like, I'm glad you're here with me. It's always been us two, hasn't it? Whatever. Yeah, he he's, like, yeah. he's like, I'll be right back. He just cuts out his tracker and hands it to the lady on the elevator. Fucking hilarious stuff. Just like how he, de- how he doesn't speak, but he still manages to deadpan <laughs> in certain scenes. Really, really good stuff. And like you said, he was a walking army in season two, going to Butcher's mom's house and uh, walking through. Remember, they set the whole thing up with bombs and they're just hearing him bump into all the booby traps and being exploded and stabbed. And he's still coming back. Uh, He's been blown up. He's been stabbed. He's been set on fire. He's had his brains pushed out. And in this, he's had his uh, he's been disemboweled. Is Noir dead no no not a chance no huh? there's no way because all right it, uh, it it's gonna sound so small but i'm gonna go with occam's razor on this for a simple second someone that is allergic to like tree nuts or fish or shellfish 
you know, without an EpiPen within those first, what, 15, 20 minutes, they can die. And Maeve didn't just put one little peanut into, her, into his mouth. She shoved an entire almond joy in his mouth. And my man was in the ICU. Don't put nuts in people's mouths against, the, against their will. That's an official comic book click stance. Continue. But yeah, we like besides the fact that he went through a walking battlefield with at Billy Butcher's place, you know, just the fact that someone can like literally die from one cashew if they're allergic, and he and he's what he was out of commission for a few months. There's no way he's dead. I think he has like some Deadpool powers because we never got what his powers are. We don't know what his powers are because in the comics he's a Homelander clone, but here it's like who Honestly? is. Who is Noir? I'm so upset you just said that right now because I was about to approach your Occam's razor with the Hitchens razor, uh, Hitchens razor that you know uh, what can be asserted without evidence can be dismissed without evidence. But I think you do have a point there. Um, so I think we'll have to see. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't mind Noir being dead, but at the same time, Noir coming back would be. I mean, you know, he could get drafted into the boys. You know what I mean? <laughs> So I've heard that this actor who plays Noir will be returning in season four, but will be playing a different character under the Noir mask, which allows, which makes me believe that Homelander will replace Noir on the seven, uh, you know, and just give it to some other dude. But what I'm curious about is, will we, will the real Noir, you know, will the real Noir please stand up? Will he show up? You know, like you said, it would seem like the person that to, to, a befriend in this moment would be the boys because you know, they're the ones. It, it's a little bit too much ingredients in an already well cooked steak. Yeah, and and Homelander isn't coming back either. You know what I mean? Uh, it's pretty apparent that like he's done with the seven and that he yeah. just wants to raise his kid, whatever the hell that yeah, means. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure, like, you know, the the bot seven is going to turn into the Warriors three. You know, like it, 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 at, at that point, because no, Annie already quit. Annie quit. Maeve is gone. Noir is seemingly dead, and Homelander is just going to do his own thing with his kids. So that's four down. Yeah, and then the uh, and then Annie's childhood friend was like literally mauled to death by Homelander. The only thing yeah. that we can can like maybe count on is that either a they decide to take the teenage uh, kicks from mm -hmm. the comics and turn them into the new seven, or we just start introducing the teenage kicks because a lot of those B list C list. Uh, so, uh, superhero teams in the comics, while while incongruous in a whole, was kind of a big deal. Like they made them bigger deals than they they were. Like, you know what I'm trying to say is like, yeah, they, they were seemingly big deals until they weren't. But before, I mean, what? Good. Uh, I'll let you finish that because then I just have something to follow up on that. No, because all it is like before we get to the real meat and potatoes of what the boys you know, game plan was, which is fought in the seven, there was a lot of issues of them just going after different superhero teams. Like, oh yeah, let's just do recon on this one team and spank them real quick. You know, no sweat off our back. So we could be getting like a teenage kicks or something like that, which I hope with Gen V, I hope. Oh yeah. That's what Gen I was going to say right now. Uh, you beat me to it, man. Uh, the, I think Gen yeah, man. Uh, I mean, I've known about Gen V for like what? two to three years already like they had given the solicitations for it in around season two i yeah. think where they mentioned like yeah it's um college meets the boys 
which is horrifying when you put it on paper. And then they're like, it's college meets the Hunger Games with the boys. <laughs> and um, I mean, the one thing I do hope is that um, I was hoping that we <laughs> and like the boys definitely out traumas the phase four in the MCU. But I was hoping that we would at least at the very least get like the new Avengers and everything so that they could parody that to a certain degree. Yeah. yeah what I mean, yeah. instead of like um, instead of like starting from scratch, but you know, beggars can't be choosers in these type of situations. So I think it would be interesting if Homelander decides to put on like the fakest version of the seven, you understand? Like check all the boxes, the most capitalistic, you know, like imagine if he unionizes the seven, like his own version of the seven. That's what I'm saying. And just to, just to like, whatever, this is the phase, you know, or like you guys were saying earlier, I can totally see him trying to get, if not bought people behind Ryan people behind like, the idea like this is don't don't even worry about all that those other guys they you know like they're gonna be fake news now what right like he's gonna be like you know those, those guys have been lying to you for years i've always told you the truth remember that time i came out there and said all that reckless shit that's that was me. <laughs> you know, like, when starlight dies children when starlight lies children die so starlight yeah starlight lied the children lock die. her up we Show have her. to talk. We, we were talking about the seven. We got to talk about somebody who went through a hell of a, uh, <laughs> a hell of a journey through this season. A train, man. <laughs> a train. Yo, uh, I thought he was out, son. I really, I really, I I'm like, yo, they're, I'm like, yeah. that man's dead. You know, I what think I a mean? lot of people, I think a lot of people thought that, you know, he starts this season um, as somebody who's super excited that he's back in the seven, but because Homelander is flipping the hell out, like Homelander has his boot on his neck for the majority of the season. And he chooses this time uh, of any time to rebrand, to get more in touch with his roots, to, to put out an, a, a game about the slave trade or something like that. I can't remember exactly <laughs> what it was. <laughs> and the dude who's helped. And the, talk, and the marketer who's helping him now is just like, this isn't going to work. Like, <laughs> He's like, shut up. You don't have a dick. <laughs> no, this can't just be something that goes over people's heads. Like, you know, yes, Ashley made that remark of, is it a game about the slave trade? But it's not just a remark about the It's the middle passage between the <laughs> Americas. Terrible. Absolutely yeah, terrible. Shorter route that they took. And on that route, they were getting more slaves. So it's like from Europe to America, let's stop off at this little Denny's right here and just pick up who we can. It's so so performative. It's very obvious that he doesn't really care about his community or, you know, um, like outreach or any of that kind of stuff. We do the Kylie Jenner commercial, which is hilarious. I mean, the Kylie Jenner commercial on its own was hilarious. And then, you know, you do the parody of it and it's just like, yeah. It's an actual um, black man that's holding that. That was the, oh man. Um, and Ashley is, she's like, oh, you know, don't, don't question me. I'm totally, uh, black lives matter. All my pictures on my Instagram are black squares. That's what she says. That was it. That was, that was the best part for me. That was the best part. Her actor, her actress, the actress for Ashley really came through the season. You know what I mean? Yeah, she totally did. She totally did. I'm, I'm gonna get, uh, pull that up now because I think that she deserves her bona fides. But yeah, she, um. I feel like uh, that was another character to watch that was very interesting. And she was kind of tied into a lot of what was going on with um, with every member of the seven wanting out. Like she would have to go and have a high pressured conversation with um, Homelander and then bump into um, 
freaking A train in the hallway and have to deal with his dumpster fire of PR and then bump into the deep and then have to coach him on what his next fucking media training shit is. Um, Colby Meninfi, I want to say Meninfi, Meninfi is uh, Ashley Barrett. Um, and yeah, she's she starts off as kind of a young, you know, idealistic <laughs> uh, person ready to work for Vought. And next thing you know, just it just unravels. Dan, talk to me about Ashley. Oh, well, besides the fact that she just gives the best, like, the best sarcastic said, what is it with everybody this season having just the greatest facial expressions in the <laughs> world? Like, yeah, like they're pretty it, good. No, it boggles my mind how Ashley could just deliver confused, angry, but have to pretend to be excited for when A Train's talking about A Train to Africa, where yeah. she just, just see in her eyes or every bit of hair pull, every single hair pull, or the fact that she gets to now walk over somebody while still getting walked over. Because one of the funniest Ashley moments of this entire series is her giving Homelander his approval ratings while he's naked and he's getting home. Oh, yeah, yeah, yep. yep. And she's like, oh, you went up 68% in the Caucasian uh, uh, demographic from 18 to 36, but you went down in the African-American community. <laughs> it's... it's- it's it's weird it's maddening it's um she's constantly walking on a razor's edge because she's walking around people who she doesn't want to get upset because they can rip her freaking head out i mean she's literally seen um she's seen her superiors die (laughs) you know like she's seen the people that she's worked for straight up get got and so uh, like imagine the stress of that every day uh it, it, it's enough to tear your hair out is what i'll say when it comes to when it comes to the ashley of it all um but but in the talking about the hurt people hurt people and the bullied bully she does that she gets reamed out by homelander and then the, the first second she can to speak to someone that she's above she spits all of his stuff right at the other person's face you know she she very much likes to be she, in the power that she is she did that to the vnn um newscaster you know what yeah, i mean yeah like word for word what homelander said she kind of like threw it back at the dude so yeah it go, like obviously she doesn't care t- too much about overstepping her boundaries she just doesn't want to be overstepped and you know i think we've all been there um, can we just that that was tucker carlson yes yeah that was definitely tucker carlson okay uh, well, as long as we can all that that was 100% Tucker calls. There's a scene from season two where Ashley is meant to wrangle up Maeve. And Maeve is in the one of her depressive, I'm going to sleep with everybody uh, modes. So she's in bed with like several different people. And Ashley's like, hey, you know, you got to get up. You got to do this. You got to do that. And she just looks at Ashley. And she goes, can't you just be a fucking human for like a second? And then Ashley just walks away. Um, I feel like that came back when Ashley had the opportunity to save Maeve's security footage to prove oh, that she was yeah. alive and chose against it, chose to be human for a second and chose against it. So I thought that that was pretty, um, that well, that was I, a nice little bookend. Yeah, they had to do that because, you know, we, 
she had us going for one second with that conversation with Annie, where you literally think she's going to do the right thing. And then she just says, oh, if you want to talk to me, make an appointment. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. Oh, yes, 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 yes. She was a real fucking jerk to Annie. Um, so, yeah, A-Train, you know, he bumps into that guy, Blue Hawk, who's doing a bunch of violence against African-Americans. Um, they try to get him to like apologize for it, and he does one of those "I'm a I'm I I'm sorry if you were offended" instead of just "I'm sorry" shit. So he tries to do that, you know, PR apology shit. Uh, it causes a big fucking fight, and in the in the scuffle, A Train's brother gets crippled; he can't walk anymore. Um, and when A Train gets a chance, uh, he has two moments. You see, they say like, "Show show us who you truly are." He has two moments. One. When Huey asks him to apologize, he he does. At first, he's like, "Why? Why now?" Like I was like, "Man, long ago." But he eventually, he's like, "You know what, man? I'm sorry. You know, it sucks when people get wrapped up into this and people get hurt they're not supposed to, and all that kind of stuff." And what's funny is that Huey wanted him to deny him of the apology so he could whoop his ass. So when he and gets Huey the apology, still his ass. Yeah, when he gets the apology, he doesn't know what to do with all his all his anger. Oh, well, so one of the best deliveries. One of the best deliveries when Huey punches him, he's like, how did you do that? And he's like, go away. No, no, no. How did he fucking do that? Like, yeah, he's fucking upset. Hello, he was, so that time that was it. Is He conveyed anger, confusion, but like almost bewilderment. Uh, yeah, like, like I'm impressed. Like, yeah. you earned my respect type thing. Because he's just like, how did you fucking do that? Like, don't worry, man. Do not worry. What do you guys think of the fate of Blue Hawk? Being drugged to oh, death. Oh, he had it coming. He, he had that shit coming. He literally got dragged. That yeah. was the literal definition of being dragged. And yeah, man. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was funny because, come on, like, you know, at this point, like, the boys is a satire. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not necessarily a parody. And for him to go from, like, oh, yeah, you know, this is all in, like, like yo, A Train literally put you there. You know what I mean? And then you and then you took A Train's community and you're literally like, yeah, they're all in Tifa. You know what I mean? Don't listen to yeah. what they have to say. So, yeah. you know, he, he had that shit coming. Uh, Statistically, I'm like, nope, dragons. Yeah. <laughs> Once he starts off with the whole, you know, <laughs> fucking dragons. No, the, the, the best was just the nonchalant of him reading off the cue cards. Like, I have a lot of black friends. I have a lot of best friends, many of who are, uh, you know, black. Like, you like, know, you know what I'm going to say. This Come is, on. Like, you know where this is going. Like, he was just being so disrespectful with it. But who was that kid? Uh, in like, I think it was 2020 during the BLM uh, protests that ended up getting like knocked out by uh, one of the other protesters. He was wearing like oh, a red God. hat. He was like using like, you know, profound language. I believe language. it. I believe it. <laughs> and on camera, like he literally says the N word and on camera, just right in the right oh, there. Yeah, in the I remember place. that. It reminds me about when Richard Spencer got punched in the face twice. That's what I'm talking about Richard Spencer. Oh, with that. <laughs> Yeah, he That's didn't exactly- say N-word, though. There was another dude um, who you're talking about. I think that, you know, that comes to mind. No, that and- was the ki- uh, uh, the, the other one was the kid smiling in the face of the Native American during the Dakota Pipeline stuff, where he's wearing oh, yeah. a MAGA hat and smiling in front of his face. And then, yeah, but... The Richard Spencer thing. That's what his name was. Are you, are you guys getting your many, uh, <laughs> many racist <laughs> protest things confused? There, have we, there, do we there have was... that many instances? Are you saying I don't love America? Spencer. I love America, George. Greatest Me country too, on the planet. 
I fought for the freedoms. To so do that, I think if you look up Richard Spencer, the worst part is he kind of looks like uh, the new MM uh, stepfather. MM's believe, daughter's stepfather. It. Like, yo. Todd. You just got to put glasses on him. Yeah, Todd. Such Why they Todd. always got to be named Todd? What a you were talking about parody satire. What a exclamation point! He drags Blue Hawk, seemingly almost dies of a heart attack, but ends up getting a transplant. He now has a white racist man's heart (laughs) in his chest, and he has to live with that. Like a Latino, though. I gotta double check, but I know he has to live with that every day. That ticker that's in his heart. This came from a man who doesn't like his people. And he's, you know, his his heart betrays him. His homelander kind of betrays him. His brother wants nothing to do with him. Where do you see A-Train going for the next season? What 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 is there for that guy? Is there anything left for him? He's going to be really upset. That's all I got to say right now. Uh, yeah. Like, next season is going to be a bad season for A-Train. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. really looking up for him. He just got sunned by Homelander. You know what I mean? At the very end of the season, even though it's yeah. kind of weird. I, I think Dan said this last time. It's like he, he literally like Homelander talking for killing one of his own kind. Meanwhile, <laughs> Homelander just tried killing Black Noir, who yep. was also a black soup. So, yeah. you know, it was. um. How do I say this? Yeah, it was really fucking weird, man. Uh, it was. That, that's, because it was it's literally it's it's hypocr- it's racial hypocrisy at its finest. Yeah, it, it's it's like a white cop telling a black cop that killed, you know, a corrupt cop. You don't kill your own kind. But, you know, I just saw you pointing your gun at an unarmed black man. So it's like it's the same sentiment. Yeah. Where do you it's see him going, thing. though, Dan? Where do you see a train next season? Um, If he doesn't fully revert back, he will join the boys. I see people joining the boys. Maybe not, you know, full on. You're on the team. But the, the way Maeve was working in this season, the way A-Train was even working with Annie last season, like yeah. the way Annie was working with the boys in season one, for some reason, there there has to just be some sort of superhero that was, that's had been at the, the, the shitty end of the stick of Vought and the Seven and Homelander, and they got to join the boys. Because, you know, even, even people with the powers understand that these powers are corruptible. Is there room on that team for the Deep? Nope. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> the, deep, the deep is done, son. Yo, the deep, yo, the deep was basically Super Harvey Weinstein, bro. And yeah. and how his season ended off. Like, not only did he have the sexual assault allegation that was brought forth by Eddie, okay, but now his ex-wife went on record and released yeah. a book. Yo, that, tell that, all. that was his, that, that was and that In was deep PR right. You gotta respect you know what I mean. Hell yeah. I think that um yeah, it's it's incredibly interesting how everything just seems to get worse for him. Like it just it's all been kind of falling down. I love that, you know, obviously, like you said, you know, we can we can link him to some of the worst sexual assault people in the game. But on top of that sexual assault caricature that he's playing, he's also kind of playing Tom Cruise. Like a Scientology kind of weird cult, you know, uh, situation <laughs> thing going on there. So, like, I love both sides of that. What exactly? And I don't think I would have to listen back on our episode from from two years ago or last. Right. No, it was two years ago. Jeez, mm-hmm. I, well, I would have to listen to. I don't think we brought up the fact that uh, the church that church was basically Scientology. 
I I'll double check, but I'm almost certain because it, it, it hit me over the head in that season. But in this yeah. season, watching the weird marriage, that weird cold fucking, you better eat the fucking octopus like that that kind of shit. I was like, mm, also, but now great. does she look like Anna Kendrick? She has a bit of a Kendrick in her. She has a bit, a little Maybe, bit. It was those moments where it's like side profile, like um when she texted deep to eat Timothy or when he's talking to Homelander about why we shouldn't go after Blue Hawk and she's like mouthing the, the prepared speech. She has that Anna Kendrick, uh, girl next door, young but old look. Yeah. She, um, it's, it's interesting how much of that marriage she controlled and then how quickly she was ready to cut bait, no pun intended, when everything happened with the deep. Uh, she was down for the threesome though. She at least agreed. You know, she she was willing to try, and then yeah, when she thought it was a human, got a little handsy. You know, those, those, that was, those, yeah, technically yeah, that was handsy. Technically, um, before we that's before, a bit. Of, I'm not even gonna comment on that. That's just really out of my. I'm a, that's out of my pay grade right now. To there, have that there's yeah, there's hand ties about it. If people are interested, yeah, I, I didn't. Not, I didn't want you to say that word, bro. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's called art. That's all it is. Um, we before we uh, round things up with um, some of the bigger uh, plot points, I think we we would be remiss if we did not talk about Hero Gasm. It was the thing everyone was talking about. It was big. It was it was gonna be crazy. I felt like it was. I was a little underwhelmed, but I also feel like you can't really beat that urethra scene. Like that that thing. <laughs> It's probably one of the darkest things I've ever seen in like life. Um, what did you guys think of Hero Gasm? Was it all that it was made up to be, or are we broken? Uh, yeah, well, we're broken. We're we're definitely broken. Uh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go off a record and say that not not necessarily for any reason in particular, but I seriously feel like it's the disclaimer that they have and what the actual comic book arc was for that. Um, like. <laughs> How do I put this in a tame sense? <laughs> I, I think the... I think because we got a glimpse of what people could do with powers, that was the thing that like threw us off. But it also comes down to the amount of like overload we deal with on the media. You know what I mean? Like yeah. what's yeah. available on the internet. And it, it, it was like one of those conversations about well, just like... Um, it, it, it was way too much to process. You know what I mean? Yeah, in yeah. a way, it, it was... Like, how do I put it? There were scenes that were clearly not friendly. You know what I mean? Right. Especially yes. the one with that TV screen. I think that was yeah. what they talked about not being appropriate. You know what I mean? Right. But right. everything else, like, yeah, you know, uh, the 80s and early 90s of cinematography kind of like. Are you sure that, uh, you know, um, how do I put this? That the, the, the baptism of sorts was, was well, pretty. Uh, MM? That wasn't. Yeah, the the jism <laughs> baptism. He was throwing ropes. Throwing ropes. Yeah, he got my boy MM. Poor shirt. Well, it first yeah. starts off with the termite getting out of that woman and then bumping into MM's leather jacket and getting <laughs> getting it stained. And like, that was. And that everyone's was like, MM's oh, that sucks. In the series, bro. That was Arizona calfskin jacket. They don't even make those anymore. That happens after the reintroduction of Love Sausage, where the penis comes wrapping around him like he remembers him. So he has a penis wrapped around him, runs away from that, bumps into Termite, who puts vagina juice all over his coat, and then he opens a door, and a guy just unleashes himself and his DNA all over Mother's Milk. Poor, poor guy. 
poor guy. Um, the the toilet cam that was a bit much for me. I'll that say was too, that. <laughs> that one was too much for me. That's a bit much. Um, TNT twins, they were they were pretty funny. Uh, but is it, is it me or are the TNT twins uh, incestuous? I'm they could be, but it was a little. I think it was a little bit like Donnie and Marie. Like they're just too cool close for comfort. I don't think they actually did stuff. I think we we were just like those two are a bit too close. No, even Family Guy made the joke. Like there was that's what no- I'm saying. You know, like I think it's just one of those things. Like you're not you're not used to seeing siblings that close. You know, I'm really hoping that that wasn't it because I think they would have been a little. I think this show <laughs> wouldn't be one to to skirt around that. I think it'd be a bit more heavy handed with. Well, yeah. see, I, I don't, I don't know if I fully agree with that because there are things that, yes, they were being very, very heavy-handed with. They did have their moments of subtlety, like you know, unless unless you literally have it like living in your head rent-free. That one speech Trump made, not everybody is going to see that final scene of season three and think back to the oh, this is when he said he can shoot people in Fifth Avenue. Like, you know, they they've been subtle with with a lot of um, their commentary and those twins just, it seemed like half a joke on the wonder twins, half a joke on what the public suspected of Donnie and Marie. Yeah. So like yeah. I, I, I could just see them. That's probably a line. I don't think that Eric Kripke and Amazon would cross, but you know, um, Garthena's if they do, they'll foot. do it next next season. <laughs> if they do it, he'll come back around next season because they. they... I, I, I seriously think like Amazon's kind of stuck into this right now. You know what I mean? Like, there's no way they can undo what they've done. Like, it, even if they were to try to drop the boys next season, people would want it back. You know yeah. what I mean? It's yeah. You know. I I thought uh yeah like I said I thought Hero Gasm was tame but like th- I thought the rest of the season ends up making up for it, um so. Yeah, man. I think the main idea of this is you know, Butcher's addiction to the V, Butcher's addiction to his white whale, this homelander, um, the amount of people that he's ready to throw under the bus to get there. And we get all the way towards the end of this where he's already made a deal with um, Soldier Boy to kill Homelander. And Homelander finds out that Soldier Boy is his actual father and tries to kind of have a conversation with him to, tr- to see where things are. But Soldier Boy looks down on him he thinks he's he's weak and um when given the opportunity homelander kind of supports ryan and kind of puts the idea in his head that he does actually love him and that no one can understand him like him because they both are soups and they're they are above everyone else so we deal with the rejection that homelander gets from his father turning into the thing that he uses the almost a fuel to get ryan closer to him and it works and that also works because butcher pushed ryan out of the car basically not even out of the out of his heart he pushed him out of a moving car when he's like every time i see you i think of becca and you killed becca you know and you hurt my becca <laughs> yeah and it was like you tell that kid that like he that kid's been dealing with a lot of trauma since season one you know what I'm saying? like he's been dealing with a lot of first of all he's been dealing with the the trauma of being miscast or, or recast because he was a different kid in season one <laughs> when he, when you see oh, him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he, he's dealing with that, identity issues, and then, you know, all the stuff that deals with him losing his mother, then living with a government agent who's his aunt, and then this random cockney guy who just shows up randomly on occasion and, you know, his blood sm- smells weird because he's fucking injecting himself in the bathroom. It's a weird, it's a weird, rough situation 
uh, for Ryan. And it is when Ryan gets attacked in the fight against Homelander that Butcher decides that he can't allow Soldier Boy to kill Homelander if it also means hurting Ryan. Uh, did any of you guys have an issue with this? Um, where do you guys sit on this whole uh, immovable object? I'm, you know, unbreakable force I mean, thing. I'm a professional. Someone from my job could potentially find this video, so I'm not gonna go in like with Don Cheadle. <laughs> this saying, is how you, know, you should kill, kill him. Yeah, yeah like I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, um, like, you know, Ryan's a kid at the end of the day. You know what I mean? And that's Becca's son still. So right. clearly, there's gonna be an implicit bias that Butcher is going to have to deal with. Um, as far as how would I say this? As far as um, it comes in terms with, does he want to get rid of soups, or does he want to maintain some sort of levity with um, the promise that he had with Becca? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that actually proves um, Butcher's humanity in a cool and twisted way, which is kind of sad. You know what I mean? Because yeah. uh, this character has really been through a lot um but uh yeah that's honestly how i feel about it dan did you yeah. have any issues with butcher choosing to defend ryan over killing homelander dan you're just muted kill just kill the kid that's it that's all i'm gonna say like i don't have anybody that needs to you know dox me i got no job to worry about uh firing me so i'm just gonna say it. at this point just kill the kid oh like, dear headshot it not just headshot it homelander you know three-fourths decapitated a man in broad daylight in public for literally being on the right side of the political spectrum and he just smiled he smiled with that I little mean, he threw something at his uh, you know what that's not actually a good way to look at this uh it, i mean <laughs> No, but that's that's what happens. That's what the mind does. It does it does see the whole spectrum of events and does try to raise you know doubts and stuff like that. Who was in the right? Who was in the wrong? You know it. it, No, of course you don't assault a kid, and I like I I don't care if it 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 could be Baron. One hundred percent. If someone assaulted Baron during those four years, whether or not I like his father, I'm gonna say you don't throw a soda can at a kid. You know, yeah. what, what did Baron, you know, and Baron, and that was the whole thing is he got death threats during those four years. There was, there was times where he was, where that kid was getting death threats on the internet. And it's like, come on, you know, at this point, the Leave kids the kid are, because they're yeah. kids, they, they don't know, they don't have the full grasp of the situation. And, you know, like everyone says that everyone likes to make it seem like kids are smarter than we think they are. And while in some cases, kids might be a bit more mature than you would expect your common eight-year-old to be. I still wouldn't expect an eight-year-old to look at something with the same emotional and moral depth as someone that's been around the block 50 times. So that dude should not have thrown the soda can at Ryan, whether or not he is on the right side. I think the craziest thing is that Ryan has never lived a normal life. You know, he's almost right there with Homelander. He's never had to socialize with other people, kind of figure out what his superpowers mean in the real world. And now the only person left to to guide him through this world is like the worst, is like the worst example of what you should do with these powers. So that's, you know, that's super interesting. Um, we get to a point where Maeve, 
uh, helps out the team and is able to seemingly sacrifice herself to take out Soldier Boy, even though neither one of them die. She's she's still alive. She lost her powers and uh, lost an eye. She's killing that eye patch though, and she is seemingly gonna walk off into the sunset with Elena, with her girlfriend, and. You know, Homelander put her through a bunch of shit. She's been stressed out since that plane incident. Um, so I'm glad that she kind of got a bit of a, uh, uh, you know, happy ending. If if she's gone, gone. I Who knows? But Soldier Boy is not gone. He's back under. And unless they were going to never use him again, why put him under? He's coming back, right? Yeah, Soldier Boy is going to come back. I mean, one thing to look at with Maeve in particular is I think wasn't done yet and you know that's i think that's where the ptsd is going to uh like rear its ugly head when it comes down to it because you know um the homelander said some very very especially like with what happened recently with the um and uh, i know oh you shouldn't make things political but let's be honest like with what happened with the scotus decision about repealing roe versus wade and when homelander said i'm going to basically harvest your eggs you know what i mean like the um the implications for that were intense you know what i mean so to say that like May's story is over, I'm not so sure about that. But Soldier Boy, that's a different story. I want to be so, like the thing is that I do see him coming back, but towards the end game. I don't see him coming back season four. I don't see him coming back around maybe season five. If there's a season six where we're fully committing to the scorched earth policy, then yeah, I'll see Soldier Boy come back. You know what I mean? And maybe then we'll get that like end game moment where like you know. Uh, maybe butchers that like last couple months of his life and it's like all right give me as much 10v as you possibly can or just make me a soup because now we're playing the sports shirt policy you know what i mean yeah uh, we'll, we'll see what happens and there were some theories about oh what happens if somebody who took too much 10v takes uh compound v will that make a difference and i think that's just something that we're gonna have to like that will get answered either uh through gen v or in the next season that also might be their safeguard for killing butcher like, they might just do it where this is going to be that last. Because they say, they said 18 months, give or take, with him on the outside and not having to constantly be bedridden and, you know, cancer patient So they could do it because the, 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 I think the, the time frame between season one and season three is only two years, if I'm not mistaken. He's been with oh, Victoria. Yeah. About a year, yeah. Yeah, because that was what it was. Is he was with Victoria? He's he was working with Victoria Newman for about a year, and I don't remember if season one and two, if when they that's like a day because he died. Remember, he fucking Homelander saves him from the bomb of Stillwell, and then he shows up at Becca's with the kid. Oh remember? yes, 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 and then they did. So the that's whole, like a day. Yeah, so it just so they could they could do it where next season is that's it. That's the final season. We kill off everybody. We need to kill off have Annie and Huey run into the sunlight or they can prolong it where they make season four only like a few months removed or a few weeks removed. But um, what, what else? As, as far as soldier boy, I, I want to believe that he would come back because uh, unlike Maeve, there, um, um, there is something that could be told with further storytelling. There are ways to do that with Maeve. I feel like they really wrapped a bow around her, her arc okay like what i love for dominique um how elena? what elena oh well our love for dominique mcelliot yeah 
Yeah, something like that. Like, if, if out of love is enough to have her come back, then, you know, I'm here for it. Like, I listen, I'm a Queen Maeve stan, so I'm here for more Maeve. I mean, she was rocking that I love New York shirt. I was like, yeah, girl. <laughs> I, 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 should, we love you, too. She, could, she should really go for, like, the Sammy Davis, Thor, and Infinity War look with the glass eye. But, you oh, know, that's dear. neither here nor there. I just, Attic. I would prefer if she didn't come back. It's like the same thing with Noir. Like, arcs that are wrapped up with a nice bow where they could be written off, I think it should stay that way. You know, as much as we, that's their fan favorite. No, I can totally, uh, I can totally get oh. into that. I can totally understand that. You know, that makes a lot of sense when it comes to characters like Noir, like um, Maeve. And you know, you never want to see it. If we just start bringing back every single character that dies, then what is the, what does death mean in this universe? So I can also see that being a big problem there. Um, but you know, to each his own when it gets there. <laughs> Starlight and Huey, man. Like I guess that's the last thing we got to talk about. And to be honest, I don't. I'm not really rooting for that couple. B. Like they're fine. I pick Kimiko and Frenchie over them. How are you feeling about Starlight and Huey this season? Everyone will pick you. You, you put a gun in like ten people's heads who watch The Boys, and they will all pick Frenchie and Kimiko over Huey and Starlight. But I yeah. mean, the relationship works. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not necessarily looking at it as far as comparisons go. I feel like they've had, I mean, albeit season three was a bit of, um, season three was a bit of a, you know, uh, oh, that's hiccup, a hiccup, uh, an obstacle. Uh, yeah, hiccup. I, th- I think that's the best way of putting it. I think it's a hiccup. Um, they've had their back for the most part. You know what I mean? Especially with like, like Huey kind of had, um, a bout of self-induced insanity when you realize <laughs> who Nadia, aka Victoria Newman, really was. You know what I mean? That's true. Especially with the research that he did. Um, and I think uh next season is definitely going to be the season where we're gonna see the clips of Homelander people to like, you know, crash and or we're gonna see Victoria Newman and her connection to Stan Edgar come out. Uh, I think that's gonna love that series. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think we ultimately have to get something with this whole Newman and Stan Edgar. We have to get a resolution to all of that. Um, Starlight has quit the seven completely. Annie January is her own person now, and she's on the boys team. And, you know, there was a lot of weird insecurity with Huey. He was insecure about Supersonic. And then he ultimately comes out and says that he's tired of being the weak one in the relationship, which causes a lot of strife between these two because she doesn't want to be saved. She didn't need another soup boyfriend. She loved Huey for Huey. But to be honest, their entire relationship was a scam. So, <laughs> you know, when he started off, in a rough situation like that where she he was only kind of dating her to get in to the seven and kill everyone a train included um it's always been about huey's keeping a secret and he won't tell starlight every season it's about huey not being able to be honest with the love of his life so are they really in love or is this a, a circumstantial kind of situation they've never dated out of wartime one could say you know like they've yeah. never i mean they did have that time in between uh season two and three and I mean, they do generally like each other, you know, uh, even though it's more yeah. on Annie's side of being open and honest about it. Whereas with Huey, he's like 
still kind of morally conflicted with what happened with Robin from the first episode of the series. Yeah, so, definitely. You know, it is what it is at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I hope they write it. I hope those two are able to ride off into the sunset. Um, I was very, I, I like that we got a bit of MM's OCD into this, realizing that he was, he's literally been traumatized since the moment that a soldier boy threw a car through his house and killed uh, his, his uh, grandfather. Yeah. I think that's what I really appreciated about, um, aside from like what happened with, I think the dude's name was Torchbearer from season two. Um, Lamplighter. Lamplighter. Yeah. Lamplighter. Um, Torchbearer is better. Lamplighter is yeah, a terrible Torch- name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Oh man, Amazon! I want my royalties. Um, yeah. No, but real talk though. Uh, the thing with um, how would I put this? Good insight as to why they're so committed with helping out Grace and how why they felt bad about what happened with Grace. But it wasn't until we saw um, MM's experiences with Soldier Boy. I still feel like there's still a bit more that needs to be answered with Huey. You know, I'm not Huey with Frenchie. As far as um as far as why he's still so committed to like going out of his way for like, you know, getting rid of soups, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, we or even being like, ordered around, Lina. right. They played around with this idea that maybe he's just like, he just likes to be pushed around, not pushed around, but like made to do things as opposed. And he kind of stood up for himself for the first time in this series. Will that maintain, or is he just going to get right under butchers, you know? No, nah, I think that's going to maintain. I think the, thing, the important thing to realize about that is that, yo, Butcher, uh, Frenchie's a genius. Yeah, chemical genius. I mean? um, one second. Yeah, Frenchie's a genius, bro. Like, that entire thing with the um, with nerve agent against, um, against Soldier Boy and uh, what else? And just all of the crazy chemical things that he did, including what happened to that what was the name translucent oh yeah from the first season put a bomb know. in his butt yeah uh yeah. i think frenchie's legitimate like frenchie has the genius's dilemma you know what i mean and i think we're gonna get more of an insight into that hopefully within the next season when they pick back up on little nina part two arc because she's still out there you yeah. know what i mean i wonder if homelander would use that to slander the boys like did you know that one of the boys actually has ties to the russian mob you know hey russia <laughs> Putin, maybe, maybe we're going in a whole other direction next season. Uh, we could totally do that. Uh, Dan, what did you think of Starlight and Huey? Um, how do I, you know? I'm really sick of this couple, to be honest. With you. <laughs> it was, and no, no, because look, look. In season one, you look. Pro- <laughs> in season one, it was cuteness overload. It really was, you know, like this, this uh, mild-mannered, shy, unassertive, dorky dude has the mo- one of the most powerful girlfriends on the planet. And he just lost, like, you know, a girlfriend that made him feel more important than he really was. So he's going through, like, everything he was going through in season one, plus everything Annie was going through in season one, it was hard not to ship them. It was hard not to see the calm waters and the storm, you know? And then then, then by season two, they, they kind of, like, didn't re- they weren't really a couple because of the whole lying thing from season one. So it's like they were on this really on and off thing until they were on near the end. And now it's like, it, it kind of seems like they were going back on everything that they gave us as Huey's character for the sake of, well, white male fragility. Like, I understand that we, that I understand 
male toxicity and white male fragility. These are, you know, stuff that we should talk about and show to the public that, you know, sometimes what you think is chivalrous is more so misogynistic. You know, the two can conflate sometimes. I can see but, a bit of I can I can see a bit of what you're talking about here, and I one could argue that almost any male in here can be seen as a, a level of toxic masculinity, right? Like when you look at the uh, soldier boys of it, right? What is it? Um, you know what I do every time I get sad? Nothing, because I'm not a pussy. <laughs> yeah, no, one hundred percent. But we didn't need that for Huey. Huey was never written to be that way. He 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 was never written to be this. Toxic male, misogynistic. Oh, I don't like having a girlfriend that opens my pickle jars for me. Like, get, get the fuck out. I'm sorry, but they maybe, don't... maybe it's the Maeve. Maybe it's Maeve's constant comments about him being raw dog. Maybe that he was. Yo, he's over it. He's like, you know no. what? Listen, you ever seen that Michael Jordan meme from Save from uh, Save the Last Dance? Yeah, well, Huey walks perfect. in. Yeah, yeah, Huey walks into a room and Maeve's there, like, and I took that personally. Yeah, she she'll <laughs> let him know. She'll let him know what it is there bro all he said was hey man good to see you're doing all right it's like you wear a neon sign that says peg me like jesus christ <laughs> yeah it, it is absolutely ridiculous um i'm i think we're about ready to to put a pin in this what i'm gonna end this with is i want you gentlemen to tell me what you thought the darkest moment of season three was this show continues to oh, get I dark i it it could be it, whatever comes to your head when you just think of like. All right, so I'll go first while uh, while while Jogan over here thinks about it. Straight yes. up, honestly, the and this isn't just from the season. This is I've watched a lot of movies and a lot of TVs in my thirty years of being on this beautiful shitty earth, <laughs> and I have never seen someone prompt a suicide. That's pretty and backed not up. Yeah, prompt a suicide, but use religion and loneliness as an edge to prompt that suicide where he when he literally says like i, I wasn't suggesting anymore i'm telling you to jump i'm like oh my God. he said something like how about some follow-through or <laughs> whatever and i'm like what son she's like yeah have a little follow-through chelsea go ahead jump it's like what like, and she's just like oh god no 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 it's no god the only man in the sky is me i'm like jesus christ no and homework. then, and number two, just just making number two is the deep eating Timothy, and we want to we want to make it for jokes, and we want to make us oh that's disgusting, Ew, you know. But no, no, no. The fact that the deep was narrating everything the the octopus was saying just it left me cold because you could just you literally see the octopus hugging him right before he takes that that bite to clamp yeah. down. He like he puts the octopus in his mouth, and you just see the tentacles like. Wrapping around his hand, wrapping yeah, around to his try face. to stop him. Yeah, he's like, "Oh God, he's crying. Oh God, he's praying. He has a family." I'm like, "What the fuck is wrong with you people? This is an octopus." Hey, Amen. My Love God, get some, <laughs> get, get some melted butter and some salt and pepper. Like, what? Why? I don't need to hear the octopus praying. Oh dear. Nah, I, that, it, my darkest moments. That's definitely dark. What are the? So, what are what are your darkest moments? I think it's so. I'm not gonna go. Yeah, my fault. Uh, so, um, just to make this easy, I don't think I can really pin it down to the series because I would have to rewatch the entire series at this point because so much happens in the boys. But I think yeah. two points of major contention that really like um, two, not contention, but two points that really stood out to me when Butcher was in his mind, mm -hmm. 
going through all the abuses that he had that felt mm-hmm. like especially with like letting going through with killing himself and everything i felt yeah. like that was like you know um <laughs> like homelander prompted suicide but like you know lenny was kind of encouraging his own suicide to um to butcher and blaming it on him which yeah, it was, was very the moon knight thing it, it yeah. kind of did remind me of that moon knight episode and the second thing that really stood out to me was when um butcher's just like on the hospital bed it's like how much time do i have left 18 months and he's like well then you can find kindly fuck off while he's lighting up a cigarette you know what i mean yeah uh like um the the scenes themselves speak a great weight without you having to comment much on them you know what i mean yeah and i i will just do the cliche one i will say the ending scene where homelander blows that guy's head off and in front of of what tower for many reasons one because um we've now established this violin music that will now i believe be the homelander theme like this weird one of the greatest high pitched ever uh, uh uh violin theme and just the subtle acting that both Anthony Starr and the child who plays Ryan are able to do with their faces as they go from like shocked to like excited to like, you know, um, just feeling accepted, all of that stuff. I think we're going to remember that coming into the next season. That's going to be the, you know, like a, a world that will allow that is the world we're walking back into for the next season of this. Um, and regardless of what side of the political spectrum you're on, we're all going to catch it next season. Just like we all caught it this season. I don't get why people think that, you know, people all flipped out about Eric Kripke just coming out and saying straight up that Homelander is a Trump, you know, analog, but um, we're going to see the worst of, of all the political spectrum. What I think next it? season. We we were all young because me and Joey are the same age, so you're about four years older than me and Joey. But so you might be. Were... We're thirty two. He was Dang, born in the youngest thirty two I've seen my life. What are you born in? Like eighty nine? Yeah, yeah. He was born in eighty nine. That's crazy. Yeah. So like, so you might remember it more so than we would because you know by 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 the time Obama was in his first term, you were already overseas. We're starting. Yeah. Me and him were starting high school while you were in basic training. So you could probably remember a lot of the George Bush analogs that was going yeah. down and throughout the entirety of the aughts. Right. And it seemed like no one batted an eye where whether you were Republican or Democrat, whether you were left or right, which truly maybe maybe it's because I was young, but left and right seems to be more like a, a modern thing, like a it's no. I feel like it's I feel like because we are now more um, on the tips of of everything right with the internet and stuff like that you would only hear that stuff on the news or on political shows back in the but day which you could only see on a television you know if you didn't have a television walking around in your pocket you weren't going to hear it or see it all all willy-nilly well i never heard left and right until about 2014-15 growing up it was always liberal or conservative it was always republican or democrat like that's what was always the two terms and i remember it didn't matter what side of the political spectrum you're on. Everybody was getting in on the George Bush jokes. Yes. Everybody. Didn't matter who you were. Everyone was getting in on the George Bush jokes. But now you want to use Trump as an analog. And all of a sudden people want to put their nose up like, oh, oh, it's been it's been two years. Well, well what, what you're think? talking about, that weird phenomenon is exactly why he is who he is, is this idea that he's not when we were making fun of Bush. There were no 
bush flags they might be in a republican statement or a bumper sticker or something but people weren't making flags of just bush there are people who are just fans of trump not necessarily on one side or the other like they're picking his side it's a weird third whatever side trump Trump came out tomorrow and said i'm a liberal every single right wing is going to be like i'm a liberal yeah there's a there's not you can be dealing with conservatives that don't are not fans of donald trump but there are some that are more fans of Donald Trump than they are conservative. It's a weird, it's a weird, he's oh, become he's just, a weird cult of personality um, that extends past his political party and extends past him being the president, which is why we're in this weird situation we're in now. I mean, just to make a comment, just like, and, and not to like throw either of you off, I think yeah, it's yeah. also because of the fact that like we went from, so during the Obama years, we went from Democrat versus Republican to having a more inclusive, uh, mentality on ideology within politics you know what right. i mean like mm-hmm. the conversation on being socialist the conversation about being uh anarchist the conversation about being a communist as well as the retrospect of people who are slightly for nazism others who are much more um uh others who are like purists for constitutional values which is kind of like a very slippery slope when you look at it especially when certain laws get repealed that affect some other lives way more than others um i think that that's like the notion that goes into it um and it's just gonna be interesting to see in the next few years because like now we have uh candidates like you know we talked about newman like we have aoc who you know it's like yeah i'm running on a democratic platform but i'm still kind of like on a socialist billing you know what i mean new green deal stuff like that so that, I think that should assuage whatever conversation that we're trying to have. You know what I mean? As far as that goes. And I think the boys, and that's why I love the boys so much, because they'd have a very good job of being able to make the caricature and the, uh, what is it called? Um, and damn, there's a keyword that I'm probably going to mention next time that should be mentioned in this podcast. It, 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 as soon as we stop recording, it'll jump yeah, in front dude, of your head. I'm, I'm that's so just how upset. it works. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's just honestly how I feel about that entire deal. You know what I mean? What I will say is I think bother me so much is the white, the, 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 what they do to Huey. Like, you know, if you want to take Trump and put him into Homelander and show people, oh, well, this is literally what our problem was for, the, for those four years. That's fine. But I don't think certain you, you shouldn't have to do that kind of writing with certain characters. Certain characters should just be above the social commentary you're trying to tell and i would much more rather what what uh, to see what butcher goes through than what huey is going through every damn season that always reverts back to his stupid parents but that's what that's what all of it comes back to that's what homelanders come life comes back to what butcher's lives comes back to it's all about how your race nature versus nurture and the reason why i let the huey stuff go is because this season he feels more like an a tantrum against how he felt his dad handled things. And he's, he's, he outwardly said it, right? He's outwardly said yeah, he, he was against the nurture. That's the worst part is he was actually he, nurtured. He tried to fight against the nurture. He tried to fight against the programming that his father instilled in him, the patience and all that kind of stuff. As soon as he started taking drugs, he started doing things his own way and then realized why that way doesn't work. He re- tried to go against how he's always been raised and he ultimately is going to find his way back to center. But we all have to rebel against what our parents tell us until we realize why they told us the thing that they told us. And I think Huey's finding more of himself 
as he continues. He was kind of, ha- he's kind of always been a character, in my opinion, blowing in the wind. You know, like he, he, Robin's gone. So why is he still on this mission? Is he, does he really dig Starlight? Like there's a lot of that stuff that I feel like he has to figure out for himself. And, you know, it, it sucks that he got seduced by the power, but who doesn't, right? And it's, that, in a way, he's kind of like how, how we see Butcher and Homelander being opposite sides of the same coin. He's kind mm-hmm. of that opposite side of the same coin with Frenchie, where it doesn't matter who holds the leash as long as there is one. Or like the, the leash doesn't matter as long as someone's holding it. So like that kind of seems what Huey was being written for as a while as he goes where the leash drags. The simulacrum is an image representation of something or someone. Okay. So when we look at a small scale version of a skyscraper, it's not an actual skyscraper. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like the detail and the idea and the conception is there, uh, but it's not a satisfactory imitation or substitute. What and is I this? That's made for ants. Yeah, it, I mean, it's kind of like when you're looking at the Matrix. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You're saying they're trying to make a facsimile. Um, you know, om- almost that looks almost like the things that we know and we love and we remember, but with their twist on it, with their sardonic uh, parody and satire attached to it. And I think, yeah, it's um, there's a law about that as well. It's not Occam's Razor or anything, but it's one of those things that says, you know, if a parody is good enough, it's indistinguishable from. The real the thing it's parodying if it does it the right way um i forget what that exact law is and stuff but um yeah i think we are gucci on all of this this was a great talk about the boys with the boys and next week we will be tackling miss marvel so the fun doesn't stop here and then after that we are going to do a whole spider-man month because spider-man is turning 60 years old and then after that we have some big news for you guys because we might be taking a bit of a sabbatical but we'll talk about all that as the weeks continue so i want to go ahead and say first and foremost thank you for listening to this episode Every single episode of the Major Issues Podcast is available at comicbookclick.com, which is the one stop for everything Comic Book Click. Our merchandise, our articles, things about us, you can get them all there in every single episode of the Major Issues Podcast. Over 230 hours of content, free of charge at comicbookclick.com. Now, if you're listening to the podcast, you know it's available wherever podcasts are found. That's Podbean, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, the Apple Podcast app, TuneFind, YouTube, Pandora, literally Google Major Issues Podcast, and we're the first ones to pop right up. So if you want to help us out, consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It's the quickest way for us to grow as podcasters and find out what you like and what you don't. Consider becoming a Patreon for as little as $3 a month, 10 cents a day. You can help us keep the lights on here and afford the hardware and the software that we need to continue giving you guys content free of charge. And uh, don't forget to try to get one of our shirts on TeePublic because we get a kickback from them and you get an original design from Comic Book Click. But Mostly, we want you guys to join in on the conversation. Tell us what you think about the boys. Tell us what you think about Miss Marvel, Moon Knight, everything we've covered thus far. And you can do so by following us at facebook.com slash comic book click, Instagram at comic book click, or you can use that hashtag comic book click to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. Um, we will, like I said, we're returning soon. We're returning with Miss Marvel. Make sure you guys are watching that. And uh, following us wherever we go, because I've been to the future and we do become the latest and greatest thing to come to comic books and comic book media, but I can't tell you how we do it or else payback's going to come and take me out and send me to the Russians and nobody wants any of that. 
So make sure that you guys are following. Make sure that you guys are here for the next episode. And it's going to be a killer one. Uh, my name is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don. I am Dan, the paid by bought man. And I'm the Majestic Jagan. A bit smarter than you. You just don't know it yet. <laughs> and this has been our boys season three uh, recap and review. And remember, whether you're on full V, temp V, or we're just born awesome, whether you're a super dupe or just one of the boys, red, or right, left, or center, remember, we are the click. And always remember that you, yes, you are worthy.